I'm Donna Peters, and this is season three of the award-winning Me Sweet podcast. The Me Suite is a community of career-driven, life-minded professionals sharing our stories, sharing what it means to lead our lives with purpose, planning, and power. What I call leading with a Me Suite mindset. Let's get in there. On this episode of the Me Suite, I am having an opportunity to connect with a dear friend. His name is Edward LaSalle. He is First and foremost, a dad of two humans and two cats and a dog. He is a healthcare executive and multicultural. So running throughout his DNA and his experiences is France, New Zealand, the U.S., and Canada. And he's passionate about Japanese martial arts. That was a nugget I was not aware of. We might have to talk about that. He is self-described as opinionated. And so I am hoping for some provocation here, Edward. Welcome to the Me Suite, Edward LaSalle. Thank you so much, Donna. I'm very excited to be here. So let's start with your core values, Edward. What are they and how do they guide decisions that you make? Yeah, at first when I was thinking about this, it's really all about my passion for healthcare. I mean, I have, since I was, I think, 14 or 15, I thought biology and medicine were the coolest sciences. Okay. Uh, no offense to math, chem, and physics, but it, it's always <laughs> been guided by that. And so my decisions have been based on that, uh, hopefully, integrity of I want to do what's good for business uh, mm-hmm. because that's what I'm here for. But I also want to make sure that I leave a healthcare system that is better for patients than uh, when I first got it. Uh, so that's really the first thing. From an internal perspective, I, I, I really strive on respect and loyalty. That goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking with my peers, talking with my leadership, that's, that's really important for me. And as you mentioned, I, I know I'm extremely opinionated. Maybe it's my French side. Uh, but because of that, I know I will very, very quickly have an opinion. Mm. And I try and check myself by making sure that that opinion is always informed by data and expect the same thing from others as well. Uh. Uh, because it's all, or else it's just that much easier to have a gut check that isn't founded on anything. Okay. And since I, I'm convinced it's the right thing, then obviously my, my, uh, decision might not be the right one. So always making sure I have data to back that up. Nice. So of that list, is there anything that was particularly challenged in this last year? Were any of those core values more stressed than others in our crazy last year? That's a, that's a great question. I think it has been the respect and trust part. Mm. Not necessarily challenged by uh, my my peers, my, my leadership, but just challenged by this situation where yeah. we're in a situation where uh, I, I live in my home office. Uh, we spend our time on Zoom. Uh, you need to have the respect and the integrity to to understand that the other one is feeling the same thing and it's maybe not okay. It's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Uh, and not only accepted from others, but maybe more importantly, accepted from yourself and feel comfortable sharing it with others as well. So yeah. I definitely, I think that that's, that was the hard part. Yeah. Oh, that's very thoughtful. So you have an interesting career trajectory and you just mentioned that you had known about this healthcare passion since you were a, an early teenager. How, thoughtful and planful have you been about your career path and working and living in different countries or did it just kind of happen because you met the right person at the right time what what role were, were these different international assignments and that journey how did you do that yeah uh, so i there was a bit of personal and professional aspects right uh-huh. the 
professional part was I always knew I wanted to be in healthcare. I started out as a researcher in biology, uh, working on protein structures, realized research wasn't necessarily for me. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get into industry. I wanted to work for the pharmaceutical industry, but didn't have a business background. So mm-hmm. I thought that I would be able to acquire uh, the business background by going into consulting and also obviously thought that consulting would be an interesting opportunity for me to use a bunch of stuff that I enjoyed doing in research, yeah. working on new problems, working with different people on different topics that I would find. And I really, really enjoyed consulting. But I knew eventually I would want to go work for pharmaceutical industry for the ability to to own the difference uh, that I hopefully could make over mm. a longer period of time. As for the international thing, it actually was more of a personal decision than a professional preference. Okay. Uh, as, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm from a very international family. My mom's from New Zealand. My dad's from France. Mm-hmm. I've lived in Africa. My wife has family. She's French, but has family from Serbia, Lives uh, has family in Canada as well. Wow. And so we wanted to give our children the opportunity to have that multicultural experience. Yeah. And we just felt it was harder to get from the outskirts of Paris where we lived at the moment. So I used my professional career as an opportunity for our children to live in that multicultural experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it benefited my work as well, of course. But it was more for a personal decision than from a professional one. Oh, I love that. I'm jealous. I want to be one of your kids. (laughs) <laughs> yes, well, I love this. Some days, maybe. Well, <laughs> yeah, you, you'd yeah. have to ask them. I'm not sure. 30% of the time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So how on earth did you decide, though, as a young teenager, that this science area was going to be for you? Was it some exposure you got from a real magical teacher? Do yeah. you have medical professionals in your family? How did that happen? So uh, my uncle's a GP, mm. but I, I get along really well with him and I really enjoy him. But it's not, it was actually, you, you hinted to it, it's, it's a teacher. Uh, wow. So biology is just an awesome science. Uh, yeah. What uh, evolution has done to our bodies, to humans, to animals, to plants uh, is just breathtaking once you start to scratch the surface of it. Mm-hmm. But I also benefited in high school in France from an incredible biology teacher. I, I think he is the reason for lots of my class's success, but also failures, because lots and lots of people who probably would have thrived in another environment than medicine uh, signed up to go to med school uh, because of him. Wow. So he, he was really a, a teacher that everybody loved and had an ability to communicate his passion for, for biology and, and just make it generally cool. Uh-huh. I love science. I love the idea of being in the lab. Uh, but biology was probably sold by him, and I've loved it ever since. Does he know this? Does he know you feel this way about the impact he had yeah. on you? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Well, he, he knew it. He knew it when I started out my career. Mm. Uh, he was aware that my career started that way. Having moved to the U.S., I no longer, unfortunately, have contacts with him, and he yeah. obviously is retired by now. <laughs> but uh, I would be happy to tell him today again that yeah, the reason I'm here started with him. That's awesome. Yeah, teachers make an enormous difference. And I think we've really appreciated that more this last year than any other time. Oh, yeah. Edward, I think I might have heard some of the humans in your home in the background. Is everything okay? I think everything (laughs) is okay. I I think if one thing uh, you mentioned that we love our teachers, uh, there's a reason why we really love our teachers. So I think that was level of disagreement that was happening. And apologies, it might happen again. Okay. Yeah. Was that homeschooling, maybe? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Got it. 
you're just being being authentic out there, relatable. Don't have a choice. Don't have a choice. <laughs> okay, so tell me, how many languages do you speak? Uh, I speak two. I'm bilingual in French and English. I, I my I started learning English at home first and lived in France most of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I understand or understood. Haven't practiced in a while, but I understood German. Okay, and uh, have have a smidgen of Chinese in in the middle of all that. Wow, mainly just French and English. Okay, yeah, I have two regrets. I'm sure I should have many, many more than that. But two two regrets are uh, I would love, love, love to be multilingual, and I would love to know how to draw. So mm. I'm I'm yes. I'm jealous of your multilingual skills. I would like for you to share with the listeners your philosophy about good leadership. You have you, you know it when you see it, you have been it and you are it. And we are a listener community of business professionals. Can you share with us how you think about what makes good leadership? I'm very lucky because I have experienced very poor leadership and brilliant leadership. And at the moment I am basking in amazing leadership. So it's congratulations. It, it, it is thank you. I'm very, very lucky. I mentioned a bit before the respect and trust. I know I am very demanding on my leadership mm-hmm. uh, and have very high expectations for them in terms of integrity, mm-hmm. of respect, and of the ability to have a leader that's going to push me, but at the same time have my back. Yeah, Being able to be in a safe space to try out new things, uh, but also know you have the support of your leader doing that, it's a wonderful feeling. Although it is not always the case, uh, the best leaders I've had with for me mm-hmm. have also become friends oh. uh, because it went beyond the just boss rapport uh, relationship, but it was really having that trust that you would equate to friendship. Mm-hmm. The difficulty, I think, of that friendship is being able to have a friend, but at the same time still be mindful of, well, one is the boss and one isn't. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and have and have that ability to understand both places and not have expectations that are solely boss related or solely friendship related. Yeah, are are there lessons that you have in your business life around leadership that you're bringing into your home as the way you and your wife are leading your family? I try. I think listening is a really, really important one. Uh-huh. It is challenging because sometimes, as a parent, you want to do. Well, no, you you should be doing this. I I didn't ask you to do that. You should be doing this. Uh, And so being able to take a step back Mm -hmm. and and being able to say, I'm going to try and understand. We're going to do what I've decided, but we're (laughs) we're still going to try and do it in a way that I understand where you're coming from and maybe amend what I initially thought about to try and get there uh, is something I regularly fail at. But uh, at least least try, try and do it more often than not. Yeah. I want to go back to what I learned about your passion with the Japanese martial arts. This means mm-hmm. you are a practicing martial- within the confines of COVID. Yes. Okay. So uh, th- throughout my life, I've practiced various martial arts. Started uh-huh. when I was a kid with judo. Oh. Uh, did karate when I was in high school uh-huh. uh, and started university, and then uh, continued a bit afterwards. But uh, the martial art I practice now is Japanese sword fighting called kendo. Ah. And uh, it has, uh, first of all, I mean, I'm co- totally biased. It's an amazing sport. Uh-huh. Uh, it's an amazing art. Uh, everybody should try it. But uh, it was very, very important to me. I think for people who might not be familiar, there are some similarities with golfing or precision shooting. The expectation is not 
for you to do a perfect movement once, mm. but be able to repeat it again and again and again. again. Uh, when you go golfing, or so I'm told, you don't want to just do a perfect drive once. Mm. You want to be able to do that on every green all the time. And that's outside of the outdoors part. That's really important. Kendo is the same. Kendo is really mm. trying to work against and with your sparring partner in being able to find that perfect opportunity. And if you're not fully focused in that moment, mm. then you're going to get beaten every single time. And so I've had times where for visa issues or for work-related issues, I, I might have had a rough time. And being able to really be in that bubble where you must forget what you're doing, and it's not because or else you'll fail, but just the art forces you, whether you want it or not, to actually forget about your your issues. Oh, yes. Really allows you to kind of recenter yourself. And, and when you finish, you figure... Okay, I, I still have my issues. They haven't disappeared, but I feel better about uh-huh. addressing them. And I feel more confident that I can do a better job addressing them uh, than I was as I entered the dojo at first. That's amazing. It sounds a little bit like Tai Chi with swords, no? Or maybe Aikido with swords? Uh, so no? Tai Chi, when you think of so. Yes and no. Uh, okay. When you think about Tai Chi with swords, uh, you see, you think about someone who is wearing, let's say, civilian clothes uh, and practices with the sword movements on their own. Okay. Uh, Kendo is very much about sparring. Uh, and ah. so you are against someone okay. with a bamboo sword and you are trying to whack the person on the head. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so it is, uh, it is actually much closer to fencing, uh, oh. European fencing. Okay, but uh, not a metal sword, but a wooden sword, and with uh-huh. actual armor uh, to protect you, because or else it's it's gonna hurt. Yeah, yeah, those are beautiful sports. So, what about your depth in that Japanese martial art makes you a better leader? I think it ties to passion. It okay. ties to passion. It ties to the ability to focus. Uh-huh. Being able to understand other cultures and and experiment with the other of this is what I'm trying to do and I get the sense of what you're trying to do and we're not talking about it, but we're still trying to get to the same outcome of me beating you and you beating me uh-huh. really helps you try and put yourself in someone else's shoes and also allows you to allows you to focus. Uh, there are often times where you, you might feel overwhelmed. I mean, 2020 uh, was a good experiment in that and you just need to be able to retreat to that happy place. Uh, to to feel yourself more grounded. At least for me, it's my ability to just think of myself practicing, even if I'm not practicing, mm. and and that just calms me down, allows me to focus, uh, deal with the task at hand, uh, and get over it uh, mm. rather than feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And how do you spell it? Uh, Kendo. K E N D O. K E N D O. So my challenge to the listeners is: I hope that we all can find our own version of Kendo. It sounds very special. It's amazing. It's amazing. I've done lots of different martial arts. Uh, What I have found for for listeners who might be martial art practitioners as well is uh, you're going to find everything in martial arts. You're going to find the best and maybe not so much the best. What I really appreciated when I first started Kendo and what I realized that is that Kendo, because of its structure, is not a martial art that allows someone to derive revenues from it. Oh, which is very surprising. Any any kendo teacher or 99% of kendo teachers do it because it's their passion and get no salary because they're basically not allowed. 
uh, that blows my mind. Yeah. Wow. So you're never, your, your job can never be a kendo teacher. You will always be something else, which is why, for instance, in Japan, uh-huh. uh, you might have people who are karate teachers or judo teachers, etc. Most of the high-ranking kendo practitioners are police officers in uh, the Japan police. Okay. Because they, they could not derive, even uh-huh. if they would be amazing, they cannot derive revenue from uh, their their activity as a kendo practitioner. Fascinating. So you really do have to go back to the core of what you talked about. It's about passion. Absolutely. You don't Uh, don't achieve, yeah. You're not achieving any professional goals by going to kendo. You're doing it because you care about it deeply. Fascinating. I love this nugget. I'm going to use that in some trivial pursuit coming up. (laughs) So, you know, in the Me Suite, we try to be aspirational but practical. What advice do you have for listeners? And you know, we're a community of business professionals of things that we could start doing differently on Monday. For me, it's all about storytelling. Okay. So, as as you know, because that's how we met, uh, I've I've spent a fair amount of time in consulting, and and you really see that the best the, the best idea might not get picked up. If you don't have a compelling story and a clear way to do it, mm. uh, it doesn't have to be slides, doesn't have to be your uh, speaking skills, uh, public speaking skills, but there needs to be a clear, understandable and shareable story that is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, I know I feel better with slides and, and just a, a PowerPoint deck than uh, public speaking. Um, I like the comfort that slides bring, but I think it's really important to structure it in a way that you feel as though you are making a point. Mm-hmm rather than just think that because you know it's the right decision, people will see it your way too if you haven't taken them on the route to actually understand that. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's trying to work on their storytelling skills, do you have a tip of how they would get started? For me, it's really what understand what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what is the output you're trying to get out, mm-hmm. out of this conversation? Are you trying to uh, make, get to a decision? Are you trying to share information? Mm. Are you trying to just voice your own opinion? And then the rest of your efforts should be tailored towards that. Oftentimes, it's situations are always complicated. It's never A plus B equals C. Mm-hmm. You want to add D, E, F, mm-hmm. and maybe a bit of 23 other things as well. Uh, but really focusing on does that serve my purpose? Mm-hmm. Does that serve my story? And if so, awesome. It has its place in it. And if not, or not well enough, then take it out and mention it for voiceover or on a coffee break as an additional as an additional nugget, but not as something that should be part of your story. Yeah. So the first time I met you, you were quite young in your career. Yeah. And I remember thinking I need to hitch my wagon to Edward because he will be my boss someday. So I encourage listeners to track Edward. He is on to great, great things. And I really appreciate you sharing your experiences here with us in the Me Suite. This is Edward LaSalle, everybody. Thank you so much. It's my privilege. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. For executive and career coaching services, contact me, Donna Peters, at themesuite.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. The website is the-me-suite.com. Suite is spelled like executive suite. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps us continue to shine a mic on more amazing people.